is Jody Mullen, and I live in Sydney now for about seven and a half years, but I came from Chicago, Illinois. And we moved on a Tuesday, and I showed up to a group run, a group long run that Saturday. Yeah. And so that just, that, that instantly connected me to runners in Sydney. It did not take long at all. And even just running with that group, uh, it felt like a mini United Nations. There were just so many people from, just name a country, and there was probably someone from there. And I think that is, I loved it because because of that exact reason yeah. you know running does unite you didn't really know what people did for a living or what their family situation was about per se it was just you were bonding over your passion of, for running giving some of these women something back for themselves is a big one you know regardless of phase of life it's something for them whether it's completing a distance whether it's improving on a distance a new terrain, a new type of race, and it doesn't really matter. But, you know, it's giving something that they can direct their personal energy to that's outside of family, outside of work, outside of the home. Yeah. I love that. Welcome to the RMA podcast. host Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. I'm so excited to share this guest with you today. Jodie Mullen is our next guest on the RMA podcast and she hails from Chicago, Illinois. Jodie lives in Australia now with her family and has done so for about the last seven years. And I struck up a really good relationship with Jodie from the very beginning. Jodie has run with RMA for quite a long time. She's been a passionate runner throughout her life and you'll hear about that, how she came to running as a youngster back in America and how this changed for her when she came to Australia how she connected with people within the running community and how she has now embarked on a new journey of running. We talked to Jodie about what she loves about running from her childhood up until her adulthood and we also talk about the obstacles that have been put in her way along the way. Jodie was in the last few years diagnosed with quite a severe injury external iliac artery endofibrosis, which meant that she needed a few quite major operations to treat this injury. And this has left her with a different perspective on running. Jodie is one of our valued RMA coaches, and we talked to her about 
why she loves doing what she does for women in our sport. You'll love this conversation. It's lighthearted and refreshing. Let me introduce you to Jodie Mullen. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mounts Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Hi Jodie, welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi Nicole. How's it going? Oh, great. So you mentioned that you are originally from Chicago, Illinois. So that's really exciting to hear. And I know that bit of information, but a lot of people might not know that about you. Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up as a runner, because we know you ran when you were younger in Chicago, Illinois. Okay, well, so I actually, my formative years when I was younger, I was born and raised in the state of Michigan. And then as an adult moved to Chicago. So but I've been, I was in Chicago since my early twenties until I moved to Australia. So hence why I will say I'm from there, but yeah, you know, either way, whether it was Michigan or whether it was Illinois, uh, I ran in both and it was a very different experience than Australia as it's cold, cold climate running versus hot climate running. Mm. But, um, so yeah, it's, it was a very different experience, but I, I started running as, as a child, uh, where I grew up was a small town. So we didn't really have organized races or, you know, anything like that. But, um, the, there was an, an organized race that was introduced when I was, oh, I think 13. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to run the 10K as one does when i pretty confident I had never run <laughs> anywhere near that distance at that stage. Um, but it was, it was great. And I loved every minute. I couldn't tell you whether it took me under an hour, over two hours. I have no idea. But um, I, I love the experience. And during that race, the cross-country coach for our high school was there and saw saw me running and was like, Hey, and recruited me for the cross country team for that, uh, that incoming autumn. Wow. Yeah. So that was the start of your running journey. That was the start of my running journey. Um, yeah, as, as a, as a young kid, I, my PE teacher was extremely, um, formative for those years. Uh, I, my PE teacher from year one through year six was a drafted NFL player in the U.S., so American football. Yes. And he actually raised four professional athletes. All four of his children became professional athletes. So it was a very unusual experience, mm. but he was incredible. So my entire primary years i i really had somebody to look up to in school in terms of that that expected a lot out of us physically but he was also very um uh he was very kind you know he he was very loving kind wonderful teacher it didn't matter your ability he just expected that everybody gave everything a shot and did their best Mm. and if we did that 
that, you know, we're winners. But what I do remember specifically about running during those early years is we had to run out to a big tree and back at the start of every, every gym class. And that was the best part, you know, running out, <laughs> running out to that tree and back. And I would start beating the boys and I, that made me really excited. <laughs> so that was probably the real launch of the running, but you know, it was just for fun. How fun. old would you have been? when you? Uh, years one through six. So, Ooh. I mean, I think we always did that. Yeah. <laughs> it was how we started every PE class. Wow. <laughs> That's so funny. So did you compete in cross country for your whole like junior what would you call it's different because I have never and nor am I now anywhere near some sort of elite athlete I'm very you know everyday runner uh, cross country in the U.S. is is really a sport so I do feel uh, in Australia it's sometimes kind of reserved for for the top runners of each school, right? Mm. Um, I know that changes in high school, you know, some high schools do have a cross country team, anyone can join. And I know that does exist, but it's not widespread and yeah. it's not for all schools. Uh, in the US, uh, for example, cross country is a sport, just like you would join the soccer team or you would join the volleyball team. You would also, you could also join a cross country team. Mm. So, you, you know, and it was a no cut sport. Yeah. Because anyone can do it, no matter whether, you know, no matter your pace, anyone could do it. So, gosh, I would love for that to be more widespread here, too. Yeah. Really, but so, yeah, by no means am I some elite level. But I did um, start. So for us, high school begins in year nine. So we didn't have a team for years seven and eight, which we would have considered junior high school. I grew up in a very small town. So it was... Um, you know, we didn't have everything at our fingertips, but uh, so for year nine, he recruited me and started cross country. And yeah, so then I, I stuck with that for the most part through high school, each cross country season, as well as each track and field season too. Mm -hmm. But, but again, these sports were just like joining, joining a team, joining a team sport. Mm -hmm. When did it change for you from it being just a sport that you joined at school to being something that you found that you were really passionate about and loved and maybe you wanted to compete in after school? Right. Yes, I would say mid-20s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after high school, we all kind of go away to university and I wasn't focused on the running during university years. We'll just say that. Yeah, I had, I had <laughs> other interests. <laughs> My education, Nicole, I was strictly, strictly studying, <laughs> which I did do. I did study quite a lot, but I had extracurricular activities as well as most, you know, late teens, early twenties do. <laughs> and then, you know, you get out of university, go off to work, um, and you start thinking, okay, this life isn't sustainable. I better get back my fitness and started running again. Uh, and I guess I never truly stopped completely, but it was, you know, it wasn't anything structured by, by any means yeah. before then. But um, I'm trying to remember, I, I remember when Oprah, so at this stage I'm living in Chicago and I remember Oprah ran the marathon. Yeah. And I would have been in the mid nineties. I can't recall which year specifically and thinking, Oh, what, what a marathon <laughs> thinking that was sounded so 
absurd, which in many ways it, it kind it of is. is. Yes. Yeah. Um, and thinking, gosh, maybe I could do that. But I didn't really know anybody. You know, I knew people that ran, but I didn't know anyone running marathons at all. So I started doing some research, looked it up and found a group, um, the Leukemia Society. So they, they did a similar to Cantu here. Yeah. Uh, they do a program, you know, do group runs on the weekends. They kind of guide you through that whole process. And so I, I didn't know any other way to run a marathon. <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll join that. Um, and so that's what I did. I joined, I joined that group and kind of took it from there and then just had the best experience of my entire life that from there it just, you know, went, went crazy, the running and wanting to incorporate that into my life all the time. So was that the Chicago Marathon that you It ran? was the Chicago Marathon. So that was the Chicago Marathon 1998, which wow. was my first one. Yes, I and know. Did you have any times during that race where you thought, what the heck am I doing? Or was the whole experience <laughs> just amazing? It, the whole experience was just amazing. So I honestly didn't know anything about marathon running besides what I was learning through those group runs on the weekends. And so I had no idea what pace I should be running or what, what's a good time, a bad time. I, I, I had no idea. And so I, it was really just kind of random. I picked a pace. I thought, so I'm thinking in miles at the time, I was thinking a 10 minute mile sounds realistic. And that would have put me on pace to run around a four hour, 20 minute marathon. Yeah and thought, fantastic, that would beat Oprah's time. I can maybe do that, I don't know. <laughs> so, so I set out and everyone was just warning me, you know, through this group, like you don't go out too fast. You're gonna feel it at those, you know, as we know. Yeah. And so I didn't. Um, and of course I didn't have any kind of Garmin either. I was just really going by my just standard Timex sports watch and the mile markers, uh, you know, throughout the race and kind of just comparing that they were about 10 minutes. Yeah. And I was pretty spot on for the 10 minutes up until I would say maybe around that 20 miles. So 32K mark and thinking this is so easy is what I thought. Like, this is a breeze. And so I just like, okay, I've got 10Ks left. I'm just going to go. And so I ended up running that first marathon um, in four hours, 16. So it was a negative split, pretty decent negative split. Cause I think I was on track for like a 420, you know, around that 420, 421 somewhere. Yeah. And then just made it all up in that last 10, 10 kilometers. And it just, so I felt, it just felt amazing. Wow. So I think, but I think that honestly, that was the best way to go about it. Because had I been really obsessed about a time or sub this or sub that or any, whatever it is, I probably would have gone out too fast. I wouldn't have had so much fun. I wouldn't have loved it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had that experience. Mm. But it, it, I felt like I was in the Olympics the entire time. It just, <laughs> I was, it just felt incredible. I loved it. Oh, and that's yeah. good that you had that experience. Because had you had a bad one, then maybe you wouldn't have laced up again. I think that's it. And that's it. So I definitely knew, okay, 
that was a very reasonable pace for me to set out at. Yeah. I'm trying to do the conversion. I think a 10 minute mile might, I'm not sure. Nine, uh, I don't, don't you look at it? Oh, I don't, I, I don't even know. Six something. Oh, but, yeah, um, six, well, yeah, six minute K's maybe. 15, six. 15. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even possible. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to do the conversion. But, yeah. um, but so I, I, I laced up the following year as well for the Chicago Marathon in 1990, 1999, thinking, okay, now I kind of know what I'm doing. Yeah. I followed the same exact plan. Yeah. I didn't do anything different. I had this book, this like paper book that I was following, like from, that was given to me by the Leukemia Society and just followed it again. I didn't do any speed work or anything like that. It was literally just some mileage Yeah. and decided okay, I, that seemed pretty, you know, easy. I think I'll try to do under sub 340. Because at the time, even I was even, I was under 30 years old. At the time for age 25 to 29, which I was in, that was the Boston Marathon qualifier. Uh -huh. And so I was like, oh, I'll do, I'll see if I can do sub 340. And, um, and so kind of, I had the same experience though. Like I stuck to that exact pace up yeah. until about 32 Ks to make that 340 and then, or maybe 30 Ks. I can't remember exactly. It's been a few years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then made up the time in the last part and had a really nice negative split marathon and ran like a 334. Cause it just, I, I know. I was a lot more intelligent in my 20s than I was in my 30s or 40s, Nicole. Because <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever had a negative split marathon ever again. I don't think I've ever done a negative split marathon. Just those two. But not marathon. Oh. No, I've, I'm confident to tell you I've never repeated my wisdom of my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> so how many times have you run the um, Chicago Marathon now? Chicago Five. What? Yeah. Five Chicago marathons. I have, but keep in mind, like honestly, Sorry. the course passed my apartment. So, like, wow. You know. So, how many? That was my local. That would be like someone here running Sydney. Yeah, true. That's right. Actually, yeah. yeah. Although I've only run Sydney once. Yeah. <laughs> Not now. Um, so Fair how point. many marathons have you actually run then, if that was just Chicago? Um, that's a good question. Uh, look, not some ridiculous number. I, I, I honestly would have to go back, and I just keep repeating the same ones because I think I've done Chicago 5, Boston 3, and may, maybe 12 Wow. -ish, maybe 12. But, I mean, again, that started – that wasn't starting once I was 40 that, you know, I started when I was younger and I took a, a big break from those long races when I was you know, pregnancies and, mm. and all of that. So of course. So, hmm. so what brought you to Australia? Uh, my husband, <laughs> my husband is Australian. So look, you know, we, um, gosh, it, it was, we had a long, what do they call it now? Like a courtship. That sounds quite old, but uh, only because we are from two different countries and you, you need to, un, you, you need to really keep that in mind as you develop a, a relationship to make sure you want to move to another country one day. Mm. So, you know, he, we lived together as a family 
in the US for about eight years. Prior to that, he and I lived in London for a few years before children. But I always knew in the back of my mind, I had to be okay with living in Australia. He has to be okay living in the U.S., just, you know, based on where life takes you. Yeah. So it took us a long time to get from dating to marriage, just to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, when it was time to move here, I did not want to come. Really? I did not want to come. I was, it was a point of my life where... The kids were four and a half and seven and a half, and you start regaining your life. Mm-hmm. You know, the older one was finally in school. The little one was about to be in school. And I was finally coming out of that yeah. young child phase. And I was really happy and really comfortable. And then it was time to move based on his work, situa- si- uh, excuse me, work situation. Yeah. Um, and I came kicking and screaming, I will say. And do you look back now and think it was a great decision? Oh, 100%. 110%, right? <laughs> you, I mean, gosh, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, there's even been opportunities in the last seven and a half years that we've been there where his work has said, oh, would you be interested in this, um, you know, this job role back in the U.S., here and there? And he wants to explore it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not exploring that. We're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are here. Um, of course, you always miss people. Mm. You know, you miss your family, you miss friends, but putting them to the side for the moment in terms of where I'd rather be physically, yeah, no, look, yeah. you're not going to get rid of me now. Oh, okay, good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> we love you. We want you to I'm here. Okay, <laughs> And what, how has that affected you, actually, like in terms of like what we've just gone through with coronavirus? Like your family's obviously still back in the U.S. Um, how are they doing over there? That's right. Uh, look, it's, it's not great. So it was okay for a while because it was spring, it was summer, it was autumn. And now that winter is hit, they're back indoors. And as we can see in the news, obviously the surges in cases and it's just a debacle on many levels. Mm. Um, so yeah, I have a, I have twin year 12 niece and nephew back home that haven't been in physical school since March. Yeah. Now there was a summer break in there for them, but they have, they went, I lie. They, they went back for one day and then oh, wow. th- this, this autumn, they were able to finally go back for one day and they were trialing different things at their school and it just didn't work because of cases. Yes. So one day. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, we've got family in the US as well, like um, my husband's sister right. and her family, and I'm pretty sure the kids are still homeschooling. That's right. That's right. At least the older ones. Sometimes I have friends with more primary level children that are able to uh, make it work in smaller communities, but high school is rough. Uh, next year, both of these, my niece and nephew, will be going off to university. Who knows <laughs> what's gonna happen? And then, you know, I have a very small family, so it's them, and then um, my mother, who's 78, who would normally come to Australia for about one or two months. Yes. But this will be the longest time she's gone without seeing her grandkids, or child, apparently. But uh, um, she, you know, Coming from a, a fitness level, 
she, although she's 78 and it's winter, she has not missed a day yet. She goes outside every day and goes for an at least one hour walk, yep. um, if not longer. Uh, and that's, you know, brings her sanity and, and peace as well. But it's hard. Yeah, it would be hard. Like, how do you, I guess I just want to kind of know, how do you deal with the fact that you can't physically see them and that we really have no timeline on when we actually can physically see our loved ones? Is there a way that you're dealing with that in your own life? You know, FaceTime is wonderful. Zoom is wonderful, honestly. Like we already have a Zoom Christmas date with yeah, my mom and my brother and his kids. Um, yeah, it's obviously not the same as you know, 3D grandma, but at the same time, it really does make you feel somewhat more connected than just a phone call or an email. Um, so we do FaceTime quite a bit with my mom because uh, she, my dad has passed away. So 10 years ago, so she lives alone and that's quite lonely, <laughs> quite, you know, when you're home alone by yourself 24 seven, that's, those are some long days. Mm -hmm. So thankfully my kids are really good with it as well. And we'll just talk to her for a long time on FaceTime and yeah. um, it's all right. Um, and I've also tried yeah, we were we we got in the habit of just sending gift cards or money for birthdays and Christmas and things like that. But I've really made an attempt to send her physical items. Yep. Just yep. so she has that she doesn't care about stuff. Don't you know? But it's more just getting something in the mail and just little things like that. Just yeah. making sure she has something to open physically, and I don't know. Just feels more a little bit more personal. Yeah. Than, yeah. No, well, hopefully things, you know, really hopefully with this new talk of this vaccine and things improve that hopefully it won't be too long, fingers crossed, till we can see our loved ones that are over there. I know. Yeah. So let's get back to your running journey then. <laughs> I really find it fascinating <laughs> talking to people that have hailed from overseas who come here because it's really interesting to know what they think because some people might think it's really different and they don't like it here other people love it here what is it about australia that you love so much that's different to the u.s that's okay well look i think it's probably more more just different from the u.s from where i was from because i you know grew up and lived in cold cold climates yeah. for, for my whole life. Now, maybe if I was raised in Florida or Southern California, I, you know, wouldn't have been as big of an adjustment, yeah. but I, number one with Australia, just the lifestyle in, sen in the sense that all year round, you can be outside. Yeah. Yeah. All year round. And you can be cycling or running or walking, hiking, whatever you want to do unless there's a torrential thunderstorm, you can be outside. Middle of the coldest winter day, you can be outside. You can, <laughs> so I really don't miss those good six plus months of so much more indoor time that I had back home. Um, all the gym runs. The gym that I had was amazing. We had a 400 meter track inside my gym, treadmill wow. classes. I mean, all, it was great but it sure doesn't match being outside. Yeah. And we, we like being outside and we like being active 
you know, my whole family. And so to me that, I mean, that is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, non-running related, the safety of being in Australia, honestly. And again, I was living in Chicago. Okay. So where I lived in Chicago, you would feel, it feels very normal. It's, it's, it's quite safe ish, but it's not safe to the same level as we have here. Yes. Australia is not perfect. Things still happen, of course, Mm -hmm. but you know, there definitely is a just a more relaxed feeling I have as a parent, as a mother, Mm. even just letting my kids, you know, kind of roam free that I wouldn't have if we were still living in the city of Chicago, for sure. Mm. I actually felt that myself when I was in the US like two years ago. I've been twice now, but just that, I can't even describe to you what's different. And even Naomi mentioned the other day, because photos came up about this is my daughter, those listening, um, photos came up about our trip. And I said, oh, did you love the US? And she said, oh, I don't know. And I said, what didn't you like? And she said, I didn't feel safe there. And it's a shame because, yeah, I mean, we went to places that felt like, you know, they were quite safe, but I guess it was just that. You were down, you spend most of your time down South, right? down South. Um, and I, I just think it was different. It's just very different to hear. I can't even explain to you what. Oh, I, I get it. I do get it. Um, and I do think the South has a different flavor than the North also. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, we went for a run one day and Mark came with me and yeah, I was like beside myself the whole time this was in new orleans i was like yeah well <laughs> by myself like thinking oh my gosh like yeah i just didn't feel safe and in fact a lady who was from uh where is she from i can't even think now where she was from but she was running and then she stopped us and said do you mind if i run with you and we got chatting and everything and um yeah she just wanted someone to run with just for safety <laughs> like so here we are an Aussie and, and two Aussies and American running together just to feel safe yeah, yeah. I mean look and, and it's it is true it's not you know there are areas I mean there's plenty of areas throughout the U.S. that you would feel very similar than you that than like you do feel here okay you know in terms of safety yes but then there's far more areas where you're just not yeah you're just not yeah and for a reason Mm, yeah so I do I, I do love that feeling here yeah really we do. are pretty blessed where we live that is that is for sure very lucky so do you when you came here and you brought your family here um how did you enter the running scene in Sydney how, how did that transpire for you when when we moved so we moved august of 2013 i was already planning on running chicago again of course <laughs> that october so actually i was only here for a couple months and then went back home to to run chicago marathon but it was really important for me because it was for american cancer society and my one of my best friends her husband was going through cancer at the time so i was running for his team and he unfortunately lost that battle in between my move and when I was able to go back and run for his team. So anyway, 
I digress. But uh, so I, I did some research online before we moved because I knew where I knew the location in which we we're moving. So I was just trying to find running clubs, running groups. I, I didn't know one from the, <laughs> one from the from the other, but I, I stumbled upon one that was you know close by me. And we moved on a Tuesday and I showed up to a group run, a group long run that Saturday. Yeah. And so that just, that, that instantly connected me to runners in Sydney. It did not take long at all. And even just running with that group, uh, it felt like a mini United Nations. There were just so many people from just name a country and there was probably someone from there. And I think that is, I loved it because because of that exact reason, yeah. you know, running does unite. You didn't really know what people did for a living or what their family situation was about per se. It was just, you were bonding over your passion of, for running. Mm. But it, one funny thing about starting my running in, in Sydney was back in the Chicago. So Chicago is completely flat. There is not a hill in sight. You have to drive to find a hill. <laughs> so, okay, there's one hill. There is one hill. In the marathon. And, <laughs> and it's not in the marathon. What? But the, the, the one hill, it's a grass hill, like in a field, oh, okay. um, it, like in a park. So it just wouldn't work out for the marathon. But um, it, it's like a big sledding hill. So when you're training in the winter, you're trying to run up the snow while people like kids are sledding down. But um, so in, in our running groups back in Chicago for training, you just go by pace. Like, okay, if you run a maybe a six to a six fifteen pace, run with these people. If you run a, a five to, you know, you run with these people. So I just kind of was thinking the same thing. And so I was training for the marathon and running with like a five minute pace group. But again, it's dead flat. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I started this at this club, I was like, okay, so which kind of group do I run with that may be about a five minute pace group? And so I lined up with them. Yeah. 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 But this is Sydney. No. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Sydney. So for the first couple weekends, I did manage it um, merely because I didn't know where I was. And so <laughs> if I got dropped on those hills, I didn't know how to find my way back. But after a couple of times, I'm like, okay, I think I need to incorporate these hills into my pacing strategy here. Because <laughs> <laughs> keeping that, yeah. So that was quite funny. And, you know, I, I learned I learned relatively quickly to, to maybe drop back and learn how to run up a hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a new skill. <laughs> it was a new skill. It truly was. Yeah. Honestly, like when I was living in Chicago and training for Boston Marathon, which is, you know, okay, it, it's, it was mountainous coming from Chicago. It's slightly undulating coming from Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> but we would, I would honestly, in Chicago, in the city of Chicago, I would be able to find running up and over basically a, like a bridge over yeah. the highway. And that was my hill training, unless I drove out to the suburbs where I could find some hills. Wow. It, it, I was so undertrained for hills back then purely because I couldn't, or I did a lot of treadmill work hmm. then and just put it on an incline. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. Yeah. Sydney, I mean, certain parts of Sydney, you're lucky it's flat, but I mean, in the North where you live, in the South where I live, hills everywhere. It, it, it's hills. It's I hills. can't run anywhere here where I live without a hill. It's just hills. Oh, 
No, every <laughs> every direction I go, unless yeah. it's around an oval. But even to get to the oval, I gotta go. That's right. There's a hill. So I wanted to ask you, how did you come across RMA? Yes. So I want to say I came across RMA less than one year from when I moved. But again, I I, I don't remember the specific day, but. I just wanted to find, I was, it was Google searches, so just searching and maybe things were coming to me a little bit from based on what I was searching, yeah. um, but uh, trying to connect with other people through the running world, honestly. So yeah, I wish I could remember specifically how it happened, but I stumbled upon it, you know, just doing, doing what I was doing online. And I was like, what, what, what is this? This, this is interesting. <laughs> and so joined. So I, it was I think sometime in 2014 yeah. after I'd been here maybe seven, eight months. Yeah. Yeah. I really hadn't been here very long. Mm. Um, so yeah. And then I was just kind of started obsessively following because it was yeah. fascinating finding all these women and all these people that also like to run and working out where they were running. Like some people were close by, you know, in the Sydney area, which not everybody, but some were, and then you start kind of, connecting a little bit more with the people in your local area to see if maybe you could, you know, meet up in person. Yeah. Um, and I think that Christmas might've been the first time I went to a group type of a function yeah. or event, you know, just to start kind of meeting, meeting other fellow RMA in the area. Yeah. yeah. And you've been a part of RMA for a long time and, oh. and I've loved watching your journey and you've been like, I guess, a source of inspiration to lots of people, including myself, like, especially because your journey has had a lot of ups and downs. And we'll talk about that now. Um, before I start that discussion, um, I wanted to introduce you as, you know, one of our newest coaches for RMA, which is really <laughs> exciting that we've expanded our um, coaching repertoire <laughs> to include... <laughs> Hey, I'm super um, excited. Yeah, yeah, and Jenny and myself. But, you know, I don't choose coaches like uh, haphazardly. Like, you know, I I love watching how you have trained your athletes over the last few years and just your philosophy on running and life in general and the passion that you have for women yep. um, and, and, and runners, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, just helping them understand um, where they want to go with their running, but making it flexible for them within the family unit, that kind of thing. So I think you're a fantastic coach and you do such a good job and you are so passionate and it has been hard for you. You know, you've been, you've had quite debilitating in well, injury, I guess we'll call it. Um, and you can explain um, what that is, but you know, how did that affects you as a runner having this injury um, for the past few years now and also how did how did you respond to that gosh i'll try to keep it somewhat free from the background but it's it's a tricky one it, yeah. it's a hard one to explain without a little background really mm -hmm. um but what is now is 2020 so i would say in maybe 2016, I probably started having some weird sensations or weird feelings when I was running that I never really experienced before, but I was still doing all right. So most of 2016 was 
or was okay, but I just, something was wrong, but I would go to physios. I would go to chiros. I would go to doctors and nothing, 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 nothing. So, okay. So I just kept plugging along early 2017. It just kept compounding. Um, and essentially I was diagnosed later in 2017. So basically what I was, is what, what I was experiencing was a weakness or a fatigue in my left leg, which was far different than, you know, being a runner, being an athlete, being in fitness for so many years, you know, your body, you get to know your capabilities, what you can do, what you can't do when something's sore, when, you know, I know my body and it knew it wasn't right. Um, But I couldn't, find anyone that could diagnose me either. So essentially when I would exert energy, when I would go for a run, my left leg just was shutting down. And I would even describe it to people as I felt like my leg was suffocating. Um, But I went to so many people for diagnosis and to the point where so many people told me it was all in my head that I even saw a hypnotherapist for a while thinking, okay, this is in my head. Mm. Cut to the chase. I stumbled upon an article in Women's Running Magazine of this athlete over in England that had this condition. And as soon as I read her journey and her you know, account of her um, issues, I knew 100% that was what I had. I took it to my sports physician. Mm-hmm. My sports physician actually kind of almost laughed in my face and was like, oh, you don't have this, whatever. And I was like, I had to beg her essentially, to send me, to write me a referral to go to a vascular lab. So what it is, is the external iliac artery, which it started on my left side, that artery was damaged. So upon exertion, it no longer dilated. Hence why I was feeling that, you know, when blood and oxygen aren't flowing through your leg and you're trying to exercise, you're trying to run, it feels like dead weight. It could barely lift it off the ground. So that's real that's that was the condition so it was called external iliac artery endofibrosis wow. so it's, it's a mouthful um but I, I went to the vascular lab they put you on they they take some testing at rest you hop on a treadmill to do some running and then they do some testing afterwards and then they compare your blood flow and it was less than 50 percent wow. so it was an easy diagnosis, <laughs> so, but I knew, I just knew after reading that article, mm. um, what was happening. So I still, at this stage, I was so excited in a way and relieved and validated to yeah. have a prognosis of what was happening. Um, and it, 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 it does require, I, I would have had to either pretty much stop running um, or maybe do a little jog here and there, you know, but nothing, nothing much, um, or have an operation. And the operation's not a simple one. You can't just have a stent or a balloon angioplasty, which I have tried, and that doesn't work. You really have to have a full-blown operation in terms of them uh, going into that artery and removing the damaged section. And then you have the second incision for where they extract a vein for uh, to repair the damaged artery so i had that done and that was in early 2018 on the left side and 
you know, you, you wait, just like any operation, uh, you, you wait at least six weeks, you recover, you graduate, you build back. Uh, and I did, I followed doctor's orders. I was very good, I, you know, and then started building back. And then shortly thereafter, I, later in that year, I, I could feel the symptoms on my other side, on, in the right leg. Wow. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, but I knew, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> and I called the vascular surgeon and I went in and he, and it's so rare to have it bilaterally that he at that time was like, no way, just not. But we'll, you know, hop on the treadmill, we'll do the testing just to rule it out. And well, we didn't rule it out. Right. So I, I had it bilaterally. Um, and I should, I'll backtrack for a second. So this particular condition when it does present, it is usually within a young, <laughs> young male elite cyclist. So right. I don't tick any of those boxes. <laughs> I am middle-aged, I am female, not elite, and I'm not a cyclist, except for a bit of cross-training. So I think that was part of the hesitation, like also in terms of that surely that can't be her issue. Mm. Um, but it was, and then it was bilaterally. So, uh, so then I had to, you know, then I knew I had it on the right side and then I, um, had the operation on the right side as well. Okay. And so same drill, same drill. And then you go back to running and you gradually build. And then quite honestly, within about six months, (laughs) I was having the symptoms again on the right side another location on the same artery. So that that operation wasn't a redo of the first one, it was another location on that same artery. Wow. So I've really been put through the ringer and yeah, it has changed my running, it has changed my perspective and it changes my future with running as well. Is this injury something that is caused from running? Uh, Yes, but not, but it's also not something I could have prevented. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Okay. So, cause I asked my, I asked my surgeon that I'm like, what could I have possibly done? Like could, or is there anything I could do now to, to prevent anything? And he's like, the only thing you could have done is made a decision when you were a child, not to be a runner. <laughs> but I mean, obviously right. for some obscure, and he was saying that facetiously. He wasn't saying that as the, an actual viable decision yeah. that someone would make. Um, but no, so it, it really, no, uh, there's nothing I could have done. Mm. It, it's really bad luck. Mm. And it, there's, there's a lot of unanswered questions even out in the field and with researchers. In fact, with my second operation, I had an additional researcher, researcher in the operating studio mm. with us. Um, and I'm, I'm now in the British Medical Journal. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I, I look, I feel good. Because I, to be honest, before that, I really was not injury prone. Sure, I had a niggle here, a niggle there. Yeah, but I mean, not, I'd never really experienced much injury. Um, but this is, again, not something I could have really done anything about. It's more how my my physiology, where things are located. Uh, but, but with that said, yes, had I never been a runner, it probably never would have happened. Mm. So it was how caused. Have, how have you, how has that now changed how you are as a runner in terms of what can you do? What can't you do? And has it changed your perspective as a runner in how you 
well, I guess change the journey into the future. What change you the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Look, after the first operation, I really thought I was going to just hop right back in, you know, after recovery and go on with being able to do what I was always doing. Mm. Um, and that didn't really work out because then it was bilateral. Um, after the second operation, I, st I had still pretty good confidence, but it had dwindled. And then after the third, I realized this isn't going to happen. <laughs> My running journey has officially changed. Yeah. So, and that's okay. It wasn't okay after the first one. Over the course of the few, last few years, I've really had to shift you know, I, I've had, I've been forced to shift my mindset. I still had a lot of goals. I still wanted certain times at certain distances. I wanted to do more ultras. I wanted to get it. You know, I, there were so many things that I wanted to do. And, but at the same time, I, at, you know, a few years later at this stage, I am, I am at that acceptance stage. <laughs> it took me a long time, a lot of tears, a lot of ups and downs. I've had it all. I've gone through those, you know, the, the range of emotions and it's almost like a grieving process in a way. Yeah. But I am now in a really good place. I'm really happy because I know now that, oh, look, we don't always get to completely choose where our destiny and where we end up. It doesn't always work out the exact way we want it, does it? Um, and although that might be frustrating, that is, that is called life. Um, and that's okay. And I still get to run. I'm still running. Yeah. So that's a big bonus. Um, if I'm running slower, then okay, I'm running slower. If I'm not running as long, okay, I'm not running as long. Um, but it's also opened me up to more social running, which I probably didn't do as much before. I just didn't. I mean, yes, I would run with specific people. Now I'm game to run with anyone. I don't care. As long as I can keep up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm happy to run with anybody. Um, I'm happy to do that and I'm happy to, and I'm, I'm in a good place where I can oh, help other people also in their running journeys. And truly, I had, since I had never really been through a big injury before, I am a lot more compassionate in that area too, in, ter in terms of building people back up to running, whether that be pregnancy, whether that's yeah, an, an injury or just plain old time off. And needing to gradually rebuild it all you know can lead to the same place but uh mm. so i think am i still a little disappointed that i don't get to crank out some goals sure and that's sure. natural you're human <laughs> yeah that's right that's natural but you know maybe i you know uh, we can have some new goals yeah. and and that's running more socially, running for purpose, just running because it feels really good, running just not, I, I don't even have my pace on my watch. I have that on like the second screen. I, it, I don't even know when I'm running, what pace I'm running. That's kind of a relief too, in a way. <laughs> I've had to let go a lot of that and that's all right. What would you say are probably the main things, the main positives I mean, you've listed a few there, but like, if you could think of like two of the main positives that have come out of the ex experience, 
what do you think they would be? When I wasn't running as much, I decided to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> so, and with my job, there is a running component because yeah. we, we have a race. I work for a nonprofit and so, and we have a race and that has Say given that me, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so again, I work for Neuroblastoma Australia and our race is Run to Cure. And it opened me up to getting a job because I wasn't so busy running all the time. But it, it's been phenomenal because I, that is running for a purpose again, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm able to share my, both my, my business background that I had pre-children along with the coaching and running background, which is my, which is really more my passion, yeah. um, all in one at work. And I couldn't think of a better job. <laughs> so it, it's given me a lot of direction, um, helping out a small nonprofit and hopefully growing their race to, you know, the, the more money that we bring in, the better off the charity is and more kids can have hopefully better treatments, cure and all the more important things. Um, so that's been really great. And to be honest, if I was still really, focused on my own running and racing I wasn't really looking quite yet <laughs> so that's been really positive um so yeah and then and honestly kind of like what I touched on before I'm quite enjoying the social running and it has opened me up to a wider a wider range of people a wider range of friendships a wider range of individuals and stories and journeys and lives and locations and you name it. And mostly women, men, look, I'll run with anyone. It doesn't matter, but you know, um, yeah. And, and so I've gotten to know more people. Yeah. Yeah. I like through that. this and, and hearing and hearing what their journeys are too. And that's been really phenomenal. So in terms of, coaching yep obviously as you said this is your passion what do you love about coaching what do you love about coaching well, I know you coach men and women but what do you love specifically about coaching women because of their crazy worlds I think it, it's like putting a puzzle together it's <laughs> yeah. strategic it is strategic <laughs> and constantly evolving constantly changing it is not just oh here you want to run your first 10k oh here you go let's just do it it's not that simple is it so I I'm quite enjoying um Gosh, and I have some women from different phases of their life, you know, women that their children are quite grown now. So they are gunning for times or they're, they're, you know, their, their time is their, is back to them now. So they've got more time to focus on that. And that's quite fun. You know, they can focus on their times, but then there's also the women that are um, coming out of baby toddler phase. And I think back, oh yes, I wasn't that long ago that I was in that phase too and helping them Kind of, but, but they're the tricky ones. They're the, they're the fabulous tricky ones because yeah. they've got so many balls in the air, you know, whether they're still working or even if they are predominantly working from home, they have small children to balance and then one gets sick or something happens inevitably. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just, just putting those puzzles together really to make sure that they have 
um, a positive experience with running, I think that's really important because the, the, if all of a sudden running feels like a chore every day to get out the door or they hate their workouts or they hate this, or they, then the whole point is lost. Yeah. You know, it's got, and you, so you can't have so much pressure that if you miss a run, you are just, no, nope, can't do it anymore. No, you, you've got to be flexible and shift things around and make sure that, not to say every single run needs to be fun, because obviously there's some, you know, hard parts in many of those runs, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good hard. <laughs> yeah. They still want to go do it because it's a challenge. Yeah. But I think that is, yeah, there we go. It's, you know, that challenge, giving some of these women something back for themselves mm. is a big one, you know, regardless of phase of life. It's something for them, mm. whether it's completing a distance, whether it's improving on a distance, a new terrain, a new type of race, and it doesn't really matter. But, you know, it's giving something that they can direct their personal energy to that's outside of family, outside of work, outside of the home. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And that's why you're such a good coach. <laughs> like, you know, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. I try. You are. And it's interesting because had your injury not had happened, I mean, you would have, you were coaching anyway, but maybe your passion wouldn't be as strong. Like, cause you'd still be focused on your own real, like, you know, your own running goals and you probably wouldn't be able to dedicate as much time to the women that um, have entrusted you with their journey. So, you know, it's, it's interesting no, it's how true. things work and it, you're absolutely right. And I, I get to live vicariously through people to some degree too. Yeah. <laughs> which I love and I'm I sure sometimes you probably find that hard as well because there's that probably that element of loss when you see them <laughs> doing stuff that you wish that you could still be doing but I guess it's that bittersweet thing yeah. I would say you're right and I, I definitely felt that more a year and two years ago uh, in terms of uh, reconciling with my own emotions and making sure I was still doing the best for a runner when it was something maybe I wanted to still do or that time I still wanted or whatever it was, but I'm, I'm over that hill. I am over that hill now. Yes. Do I still wish I was, you know, being able to race at my best? Sure. But I, I, I don't have those feelings anymore. Now I'm, I'm really just in, I'm, I'm in a good spot. <laughs> That's a good spot. That's good. And if people want yeah. to get in touch with you for coaching, they can do yeah. that via our website. All the details are there. And I encourage people to do that, you know, and you coach like anyone doing anything. Um, so you've got lots of experience. So yeah, I'm really excited to see your coaching journey with RMA unfold and, and oh. So exciting. That's such a good team. I think it's exciting. I'm really it is a good team. I love it. I love it too. I wanted to finish up with five quick questions. You know how we do the RMA hot lap every um, yes. podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. I have to note that when I asked Jodie to come on the podcast, I'd written down about 20 questions and I have only asked her two. <laughs> Oh, well, we might have to do we'll have to do a summer series of just me <laughs> well, I just, it's just so natural what we've talked about it's been yeah. such an interesting journey to watch and from where you came from and what you think about living here and 
how you got into running here and then into coaching and all <laughs> interesting. And so I think the best conversations are the ones that just flow, right? But the RMA hot lap, I think, oh, has to be done um, because I've got some questions that I'd like to know. So there's five. So the first question is, what is your favorite race nutrition? The SIS gels. Oh, you like what flavor? Black currant or orange? Okay, black yum, black currant. Yeah, <laughs> those are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I love anything black currant. Yep. <laughs> Out of these two, do you want speed or distance? I can't have both. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, speed. I thought you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite outfit to wear? On a run the the lululemon speed shorts yeah that version which i'm devastated because apparently they're now they don't exist they're now they've they've modified this specific short so yeah anyway good thing i have about 12 pairs in various colors and styles uh and (laughs) so those shorts are my go-to and right now and i'm not saying this because i'm talking to you but i'm obsessed with my rma singlet so yes it's christmas time so the red one is just keeps getting yeah worn wash worn wash worn wash and then integrated with the 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 black just the standard rma top um but yeah i mean I, i do wear other things once in a while but right now those two just keep getting recycled i have to say it's true. And the red is pretty good i like the red i love it yeah so nice yep. all right what can't you go without on a run you know i i never used to take anything ever but now i always for the most part have my naked belt you know, the, the naked belt yeah. uh, to bring my phone with some music. And I know that's terrible, isn't it? Listening no. to music on a run. <laughs> music on a run. Of course, like it. you do have to consider your safety, I guess. You do, yeah, the safety that. side. But of course, that's you can right. listen to music when you're running all this podcast. <laughs> or podcasts. Yeah, the podcast. I'm behind. I'm trying to catch up. I am behind. But um, I do like to listen to my music on my run. And the... Uh, my teenager often we share we have the Spotify account. Yeah. When he knows I'm out on a run and he now that he's not in school, he'll start changing my music <gasps> from to like his horrible rap, like terrible words. It's it's awful this music. <laughs> but he does it intentionally. And in the middle of my run, I'll be out somewhere. There's something I can do, and he'll just put on either that or he'll put on uh, like the Wiggles or something. Oh. Just really <laughs> like something. Like that. I love it. That's so, so funny. It's, he, it's our thing. That's funny. <laughs> I like it. All right. The last question is a little harder. Well, maybe it's not that hard. What is your why? Specifically, why I run? Well, just yeah, run. it can be anything. But yeah, why do you run? Or even if you're, you know, why are you involved in running even? I guess if we stick to the running, it's always been about myself and my own challenges and my own goals. I never was comparing. I was, I, it was always about my own journey. Uh, in terms of my specific running. And I loved, just loved being able to set a goal 
and being able to achieve it. Mm. I mean, yes, I, I, I run for other reasons, of course, you know, because mental health and different, you know, it feels good and I like to be fit and strong. But in terms of why I went a step beyond just running for fitness, I, I just love that journey of, of goals and challenges and seeing what I could do. And sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't, and then you try something different. I, I just, the challenge. Yeah. I just love the challenge. Yeah, I love that. What a great interview with Jody Mullen. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. For more information about coaching with RMA or how to get in contact with Jody, please head to the RMA website and on the top bar, look under RMA Coaching. For those of you that haven't listened to all the episodes of the RMA podcast, I encourage you to head back and listen to some of the previous guests that we've had on board. I'm excited to bring you some new conversations into this new year and I look forward to sharing them with you. For now, please head over, subscribe, rate and review and I'll speak to you next time.